another missionary uh, on the wall. I, I didn't steal this. I borrowed it. Okay? <laughs> I, I did live in Mexico for a while. I did not steal it. I, I, I borrowed it. But think with me, this, this is a, an envelope that you use on a weekly basis, uh, bi-monthly or monthly, to do your tithe and your missions giving, your faith promise offering, and it says missions on there. Listen, we can get to the place where this becomes a habit to us, that we, okay, it's, it's time to do my tithes and offerings, and you write it there, missions, you write it there, but it, it becomes an envelope. It becomes just a, a picture or a letter on the wall. And when we get to missions conferences, we're, we're preaching a lot about the mission field. We're preaching a lot about the need out there, and there is a great need. And for that reason, God calls men and He sends them out to the mission field with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But let's think for a moment, if we kind of flip the coin tonight, and let's think for a moment about the missionaries. There are some young missionaries here tonight that when they go out to the field, that they are going to encounter things that they never imagined, that they never learned in Bible school or Bible college. When I was in Bible college, we had two classes on missions. And I thank God for them. But there is so much more that is going to happen to you in the process of going through deputation, of going to different churches, of doing the paperwork, about getting to the field. You see, you travel around and you're at a missions conference and you guys are excited. And the missionaries that are getting ready to go, they're excited. Amen. And then reality sets in. Yes, amen. Then they buy not the plane ticket that is two-way, but one-way. <laughs> and things get real. And they get real, real quick. So tonight I just want to look at a few things that hopefully will help us to understand that missions needs to be more than just an envelope. When, when you're filling out this card uh, tomorrow morning and you put the amount in there, it's not just the amount of money that's there. It is the painters. Amen. That helps me. And all the other missionaries, I don't, I don't know all the missionaries that you support, but all the other missionaries that you support, when you fill out this card, when you put money in here, it is about not just the people that are going to get the gospel, but about the people that are carrying the gospel yeah, of Jesus Christ to them. When we were on deputation, when we were just getting started, back then it was in the missionary heyday. I mean, it was good to be a missionary. It was uh, to get meetings. I mean, every church was having missionary conferences. And, and so uh, when we first got started, sometimes I would call a pastor and they would say, uh, Brother Norton, we're booked for 13 months. I'm thinking, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> and then I would call another pastor and he'd say, we're booked for six months. Call me closer to the day. And it was hard to get meetings because there was a lot going on. But little by little, we were able to get meetings and we were able to get into churches. But when we did not have a meeting, what we would do is we would go to an independent Baptist church and we would visit the church. No pressure on the pastor, no pressure on the church. We would show up. We were visiting uh, my wife's family there in southern Illinois, and we went to a small church in southern Illinois, Independent Baptist Church. We walked in there. They asked us who we were, what we were doing, told them who we were. We were there in the morning service. They asked if we could come back in the evening service, and he let me preach. I preached that night. They never took us on for support. It's all right. Probably about eight years later, we came back to the States, 
And as we were getting back to the States and we're just getting, you know, having our meetings lined up, we had a free space or free uh, service. And we went to that church when we went into that church, a church that did not support us. They knew who we were. They knew that we were coming back to the States. Hey, welcome back to the United States. And I'm thinking to myself, what in the world? They may have sent support to us twice in eight years, but they knew who we were. They had, oh Lord have mercy, I hope you guys don't have one of our first prayer cards. <laughs> they had our original prayer card there on the wall. They had a, our missionary letter, although they did not support us. We were up there on the wall, but I'm telling you tonight that we were more than just another missionary on the wall. It was more than just a faith promise card. It was more than just an envelope. They looked at us and they saw us as People. Amen. And we have needs and difficulties and struggles and battles just like everyone here. And they are just compounded when you're outside of the United States in a foreign country. Another missionary on the wall. Have you ever been to Grandma's house? You go to Grandma's house, there's always a special place in Grandma's house. Years ago is when you walk down the hallway to the different bedrooms. And there are the pictures on the wall of the family, of their kids and the grandkids. And if Grandma were to take you by, if she ever caught you in that hallway, you knew what she was going to do. Hey, come here for a minute. This is my son when he was in kindergarten. You're looking at He does not look like that. And this is my daughter, and this is, and they can tell you where where they are today, where they live. They can tell you their grandkids and their birthdays. They can tell you about what's going on in their lives. Why? Because it's not just about pictures here on the wall. These are people that they care about, people that they love. And folks, listen, our missions giving will change a whole lot. It'll change dramatically if we understand that when we take on missionaries, that they're part, they become part of Heritage Baptist. Church missionary family. They're family. And we're going to be wanting to know about them. We're going to be wanting to know, hey, what's going on in their lives? Hey, what's happened? Hey, they're having a baby. Hey, they're having problems with their paperwork. So many things going on, but it becomes personal to us. And then you know what? When it comes time there, you're like, oh, praise the Lord. I get to put my offering in here because I know this is going to help John and this is going to help David and this is going to help. Amen. Amen. We don't want to just have other missionaries on the wall. Tonight what I'd like to do for a few moments is kind of take you back to my house where I lived in Argentina and maybe in Mexico and just tell you some things, give you a little bit of perspective at how, how it is as a missionary. Now listen, everything that I'm going to say tonight, it may not apply in Thailand, it may not apply in Panama or, or, or New Zealand. But it's just a basic or a general thing about missionaries and some things that they go through. Now, before I, I do that, I want to read this. I got this uh, many years ago, and it's called, What is a Missionary? Somewhere between saintliness and foolishness, we find a curious creature called a missionary. Missionaries come in assorted sizes, weights, and colors but all are sent by the one Lord who commanded His people to evangelize. Missionaries are found everywhere. Going to, lifting up, launching out, coming from, staying with, bringing around, bearing with and standing for. Christians love them. Governments tolerate them. Parents pity them. Pagans ignore them. 
and Christ protects them. A missionary is truth with a broken Jeep axle in their hand. Beauty with a sick child in their arms. Wisdom with a Bible in their pocket. And hope with Christ in their heart. A missionary has the patience of a fisherman. The audacity of a tightrope walker. The carefulness of a bookkeeper. The vision of a dreamer. The strength of a builder. The intelligence of a teacher. The wit of a humorist. The irresponsibility of a child. And when he attempts something, he is all prayer. He likes letters from home. Children, preaching, mission recruits, returning from furlough, faith promise rallies, tracks, printing presses, radio stations, translators, mission boxes, airplanes, villages, Bible studies, cities, correspondent courses, and bookstores. He is not much for high pressure and promotion. Red tape, devaluation of the dollar, lukewarm faith, hypocrisy, and discrimination. Nobody else is quick to care and so slow to give up. Nobody else gets so much fun out of crocodiles, boiled rice, elephants, pet cobras, earthquakes, visas, monsoons, droughts, and conversations. A missionary is an unusual creature. You can send him to a far-off country, but you had better not forget him. You can get him out of your hair, but you can't get him out of your heart. He's your servant, your right hand, your dependent. A Bible-preaching, God-fearing, God-serving, self-sharing bundle of love. When you come to church with that smug feeling that you're a pretty super Christian, He can shatter it with the simple words, come over and help us. Amen. What is a missionary? Come with me now to Argentina, to Mexico. Think about a few things tonight with me. The missionary and his family. When you go to the mission field, the distance between you and your extended family is great. Uh, When, for example, my brother and sister, when they they would have kids, their family, they would have kids and you're not there. Uh, You don't know their their, their kids, your nieces and nephews. When there are deaths in the family, I had several aunts that died when I was on the mission field. And it's not like you can just get in a car, drive an hour, drive two hours drive three hours, however it may be, to go to those funerals. I had a a cousin that committed suicide. There was one funeral that I wanted to be at was that funeral. He had committed suicide, took a shotgun, stuck it in his mouth, and he killed himself. And you want to be there with with the, the family, but you can't because you are separated by such a great distance. It's not that you have, you're, you're able to have the money to get on a plane and to fly and to be there and, and to be there right away to be with the family, you see, because the missionary is separated from his extended family by the, the distance there. I, I, years ago when we were in, in southern Argentina, uh, my youngest brother, he called me on the phone and I have no idea how he even got my phone number. And he's talking to me and he's upset and he's yelling and he's screaming and, and he's talking about taking his life. Hey, I, I'm just tired. I'm tired of it. I, I can't take it anymore. I'm just going to take my life. And the phone goes dead. And we were in southern Argentina, so far down south that for us, the Australians were Yankees. <laughs> and the phone goes dead and you're thinking, you're, what is he doing? What? Are, what? Hey. You can't go over to your younger brother and grab him and say, Hey, listen, it's not as bad as you think. God's still on the throne. God can make a change. What you need is God in your life. But there's that distance. But think about that. What the missionary goes through being that far away from home. When there are problems in the family, serious problems, 
but the missionary is so far away from home. Think about this when a missionary leaves for the field. I mentioned just a few minutes ago, it is, it is awesome. You go around. We did this for two years. You're traveling around to churches, and everybody's excited. Missions conference, you're excited, and you're man, can't wait to get to Columbia. Can't wait to tell people about Jesus Christ. God has called us there. We know it's God's will. And, but then guess what happened? October 31st, the day we were going to leave, to fly out that one-way ticket, so here we go to the St. Louis airport and we're sitting there. This was well before 9-11, so we're sitting there in the airport. Everybody could be there and you're laughing and talking, but there's, that, there, there's a solemnness there because you know you're getting ready to get on a plane and you don't know when you're going to see each other again if. Amen. And so we, 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 we get onto the plane and we're walking down there. It's just the two of us. Back then we didn't have any kids. We were happy. <laughs> That was just a test to see if you were listening. <laughs> so we, we get on the plane and we're sitting there on the plane and it, my wife is looking back there and tears are coming down, streaking down her face and I, I'm sitting there thinking, you, she's crying because of you. You understand what I'm saying? We're leaving. She doesn't know when she's going to see her family again. She sees her mom there. You, you wave goodbye. The plane taxis off down the runway. That's what it's like for a missionary when he leaves. Amen. Amen. The distance between your loved ones leaving for the field. We got to Colombia and they have what they call apagones. The, the, they ration their electricity. So here we arrive at night. The electricity's off. I mean, you're flying. It's dark, dark, dark. And the pilot's talking about landing the plane. Finally, you see the lights of the runway is hallelujah, glory to God. <laughs> so you, you land there and you get, we get off of the, the plane and we've got a few bags up and everybody, we're walking in the airport and there's military police everywhere and they've got M16s and you're just, okay, I hope he has a good day. <laughs> and you walk out and you get outside and there's, everybody's asking you, hey, they're, we didn't know what it was then, but they're asking you, do you need a taxi? you need a taxi? you need a taxi? And I'm glad that the word for no in English is the same in Spanish. No, no, no. Finally, we saw the two, only two white people there and we knew where we were going. And, but listen, that is going to the field. But you know what? Then you're there and God works in your heart. God gives you a love for those people and your lives become intertwined. Amen. They become part of you and you become part of their lives. You become family with them. And then guess what? It's time to come home on furlough. You come back to the States and you say goodbye to your new family on the field. You come back to the States and it's all great because you get to see your family again. You travel around and then you have to say goodbye to them again when you go back to the field. And it never gets easier to say goodbye. Amen. And then when the time comes where you leave kids behind, think about that. Amen. You're hundreds and hundreds or thousands of miles away when you leave your kids behind. So it's very difficult when you leave to go to the field. And then when you're there on the field and then coming back home, the food. Food's always been an interesting thing to me. I like to eat. I thought I was in a Baptist church. <laughs> I do. I like to eat. And I've had typhoid. I've had salmonella. I've got to be very careful about what I eat now. But eating, when you're gone, it is, it is strange the things that you have uh, cravings for. 
there you are, you're on the field and you're sleeping and you're, and you're eating a Pop-Tart. <laughs> Man! And you, you see, you're, you're putting in the toaster in your dream and it's getting warm. And, oh, and if you're like I am, you've got to take the crust yeah. off. You get all the crust and you eat the crust because the good stuff is there. But you can't get Pop-Tarts. How many of you ever had a peanut butter and marshmallow cream sandwich? Oh my, how many ever had Count Chocula? Hey, that, look, personal, a, a box of Count Chocula for me is a personal size. Doesn't, it doesn't matter the size. Country crock, butter dishes, I mean, that's a cereal bowl. And so you miss those things. And we came back, uh, the first time we came back to our states, uh, uh, our pastor, he loved to go out to nice restaurants. And he, he, said, he said, look, Bill, uh, anywhere you want to go, anywhere you, you just name the place. I know you've been gone for a while. Anywhere you want to go, anywhere. What, what is it that you just wanted to eat? <laughs> I said, I want a Domino's a sausage pizza from Domino's. And if you, if you would have seen the disappointment in his face, it's like, of all the things that you could ask for, you want a sausage pizza from Domino's. But church, that was before I knew about Papa Jones. But guess what? In Heber Springs, we do not have a Papa Jones. But we do have a Domino's. So, so food, you, you get the, these cravings in my wife. My wife likes fast food. She didn't hear me say that, did she? Fast food. And you, oh, man, I'd love to go to Burger King, love to go to McDonald's. But now Chick-fil-A is, beats any one of them hand down. Now the food, Argentina, if you could come to my house in Argentina, we would have an asado. You want to talk about having steak, not these little steaks like this. We go to the, to the butcher shop, and we actually pick out the meat. He cuts it like years ago. They used to do it. I mean, he cuts it. How thick do you want it? And it's cheaper than it is here. Argentina, the cattle capital of the world, the steaks. Oh, it, tremendous. So they have wonderful food there. Mexico, wonderful food. You can walk down the streets, and just the smell is like... But don't eat at the taco stands on the street. <laughs> food. Uh, a Mexican missionary, uh, Ruben Castillo, he, uh, he's a Mexican and he went to Ivory Coast as a, as a missionary and he was there and he would tell us, as he's preaching, he's talking, because in Mexico, tortillas, tortillas, everything. For, the Argentines, it's French bread. When they sit down, if they sit down at the table and they don't have French, French bread, somebody's got to run and buy French bread. Now, in Mexico, you've got to have the tortilla. You don't need a spoon. You don't need a fork. As long as you've got a tortilla, you're good. I mean, you'll just... So he... But they don't have tortillas in Ivory Coast. And he would say, oh, you're sitting there, you're sleeping at night. And he says, your mouth just starts watering because you think about eating that tortilla. You miss, miss food that you have uh, back home. But let me make it a little even personal. I want you, we, lots of times we think about the missionary, the man. But we, we don't give a lot of thought to the missionary wife. The life of a missionary wife is a very blessed life, but is a very difficult and busy life. 
Where's grandma? <laughs> Your wife, my wife had all of our children on the foreign field. And so there, you know, it's the two of us. When Kimberly was born in Colombia, it was the two of us were there at the clinica, at the clinic. And, and it's just the two of us there. And you're thinking, where is my mother-in-law? Uh, you're also thinking, where in the world is Walmart? <laughs> Listen, you guys say, oh, you wouldn't catch me dead in a Walmart. Listen, you'll miss it if you don't have it. Yeah. Where's Walmart? Hey, hey, who can help me? Who, who can watch our kids? Think about that. Tonight, if you were to go out somewhere and you have young kids, there are many people in the church tonight that you could say, hey, could you watch my kids for it? You could trust those folks with your kids. When you start a new work, when you go to the mission field, who? Who are you going to go to? The missionaries' wives. My wife on the mission field, she was my wife, the mother of our kids. She was their Sunday school teacher. She was in charge of the nursery. Music, she played the, the piano. She was in charge of the lady meeting, ladies' meetings. Whatever decorations and, and wall displays that we had in the church. She was uh, the babysitter of her own kids. She was her, the, her own kids' school teacher. And she was her husband's right hand. And she never got a day off. But people will pray, Lord, bless Brother Norton today as he's... I say, pray, Lord, bless Brother Norton and bless Mrs. Norton as well. Yes, amen. The missionary wives. Your, your kids. Uh, when I was on deputation and veteran missionaries would come back, I'd say, Lord, I don't want to be like that when I come back. <laughs> You would look at them and they just seemed awkward. <laughs> they just seemed like they were out of place. And you say, why? Because now they're bicultural, bilingual. They're comfortable in two things and they just never find their spot. You'll see them. They're standing there and they don't know if they ought to say something or not say something. And they've got some quirks about them that they picked up on the mission field. Our kids were born on the mission field. The way that they talk... Some of the things they say in English, my wife and I look at each other and just start laughing. <laughs> so they, they're learning to speak two languages at the same time, and they get them confused, and they get them mixed up, and it's funny. <laughs> the way that you act, our kids, they learn from others. So you'll see missionary kids that will come in here and you're thinking, why in the world is he doing that? J.B. Godfrey, I remember hearing a story about one of his kids that he would go out there in the jungle and he was out there in the jungle. He would eat all the different bugs that were out there. So he's sitting there at the table there in their home and a bug comes in, flies and lands in soup. And he got super excited because there was a bug in his soup. He's like, yes. And his mom said to him, said, no, in this house, you are not going to eat those bugs. It's just that's where he grew up. That's what he's learning. So they come back and you're looking at him. And so, hey, we need to be easy on missionary kids. We need to be easy on the missionaries because they are bicultural, bilingual. They're learning so many different things. And we don't always uh, get it cleared up or get it straightened out. Um, when we went home on our first furlough, we were in southern Argentina at the time. And we're getting ready to go on our, on our first furlough. Our kids... Uh, here we are in the house, and we're packing things up. We're packing up their beds and, and putting their toys away, and we're telling our kids, we're going home. 
Mom, Dad, we are home. No, no, we're going back to America, but Dad, this is our home. Mom, this is, this is where we live. Why are you packing up our toys? It's because we're going back to the States. They didn't know the States. They didn't know life in the States. But think about this. That creates other issues. My mother-in-law, probably the best Christian that, that I know, my mother-in-law didn't know our kids. And so here she is, she's going to meet us at the airport. And you guys know how kids are. Kids with a stranger, someone they don't know. And so we would do role-playing in the house. And I show a picture of my mother-in-law. This, this is what grandma looks like. And, and when we get to the airport, and grandma's going to be there. And, and this is who she is. And when she sees you guys, she's going to cry. And, and she's crying. And, and not because and, and she, something's happening. And not that she's sad. She's happy because she's finally getting to see you. And so I would play that I was grandma. And my kids would be over here. And it's okay. Now here's grandma in the airport. What are you going to do? And the kids run up to me. And they, they grab a hold of me. Why? Because I wanted them when they got to the airport. And they saw grandma I want him to run to grandma not run away from her Amen. see these are things that we don't think about but that's life as a, a missionary missionary uh, on the on the field the gestures uh, we will point things uh, hey where where is your Bible and you point over there so I said hey where, where is your Bible <laughs> I beg your pardon? <laughs> Where's your Bible? They point with their lips. When, okay, so you're, hey, I have four kids. Back then, I have four kids. There's uh, Kimberly, she's this tall. There's Jessica, she's this tall. There's Justin, he's this tall. And there's Lauren, she's this tall. Did you notice how I have my hand? So you don't put your hand like, okay, Kimberly, you don't put your hand like that because if you put your hand like that, you're referring to an animal. I have four kids. Kimberly, she's this old. But you, when you come back, if they were to say that to you, you're thinking, why, on the, why in the world is he doing like this? If I were to say to Pastor Hanks tonight, come here. Yeah, hey, 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 something's wrong. But that's how they do it. Come here, come here. <laughs> and you know sooner or later that where you're at, the people are going to realize that you're a foreigner. You just, you, you stick out. Uh, there, there's a whole lot of reasons for that. Let me mention some things. Uh, there's a lot of dangers uh, sticking out as well. When we were in, in Colombia, uh, I, I always, I've had short haircut for, for many years. So here they would see me in, in Colombia. Someone looks at me and thinking, okay, this guy is FBI. He's ATF. He's... Because they could identify me as, as an American. And so there, there, there's a danger in that. Also, in foreign countries, when they know that you're American, for them it just means a dollar sign. Dollar sign. So there's a, always that constant danger. Now think about that when you have kids. There in Mexico, when we were, we're out knocking doors, there was an area where a guy, whether he said it sarcastically, seriously or not, mentioned something about kidnapping our, our two of our girls. 
It's, it, it, there's a, there are real dangers and things that you have to take into consideration and the things that will help us as we are praying for missionaries and that we're filling out these cards and we're doing this right here. Wait a minute, those are real people. They have real needs. Yeah. They have kids that, that have to go to school. They're going to be out there with the other kids. And then there's always the thing about the language. Uh, I'm a pretty serious guy overall. But they told us, you know, you know what? You just got to learn to laugh at yourself because it, you're going to make mistakes with the language and you're going to open mouth and insert foot. How many of you can speak another language? Okay. It is unbelievable how easy it is to make mistakes. I mean, sometimes it's just with one letter. For example, God bless America. God bless America. God bless America. God bless America. One letter makes a big difference. We were, when we got to Columbia, we were just getting to start to learn the language. We were out uh, visiting uh, a lady in our church, and she was from the coast. And the ones on the coast, they don't pronounce the S. S. So we're there at the house, and we're sitting there at the table, and she's talking, and she's like, Pato, Pato, me gusta pecado. Oh, Pato, como me gusta pecado. She's saying, Pastor. It is supposed to be Pastor. But she said, Pator, me gusta. She said, me gusta. El pescado is what she's supposed to say, but she's saying, el pecado. Pescado is fish, pecado is sin. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, I'm thinking to myself, this can't be. Something's not right. And so the missionary tells me, you see, when you're learning a new language, I mean, it is, it is tough. It is difficult. And you need to hear every word. Have you ever heard someone say, hey, I'm going fishing. What happened to the G? <laughs> hey, I'm fixing. <laughs> we don't need the G. But when you're new, learning a new language, you need that G. Tell me the G. Say the G. We would have guys that they would, they would speak and they talk like they had a potato in their mouth. <laughs> and I would say, como? And they'd say it again. I'd say, como? <laughs> they'd say it again. I'd say, como? Mm. <laughs> you get, when it gets to the point where you're embarrassed to ask again, learning another language is, is very, very difficult. And answering the phone going to the store and buying something. The phone rings and, your turn. <laughs> what, are you, what are you gonna say? You go to the store and the, the, you put everything up on the counter and she tells you how much it is and, okay, just take whatever it is. <laughs> I hope, I hope, hopefully I've got enough. But learning uh, another language, there are, uh, let, let me, let me, okay, here's, here's some things. These are best newspaper headlines of 1999. 1999. Include your children when baking cookies. <laughs> Police begin campaign to run down jaywalkers. <laughs> Drunks get nine months in violin case. <laughs> Iraqi head seeks arms. 
British left waffles on Falkland Islands. <laughs> Teacher strikes idle kids. <laughs> Juvenile court to try shooting defendant. Two sisters reunited after 18 years in a checkout counter. <sighs> Local high school dropouts cut in half. <laughs> Typhoon rips through cemetery, hundreds dead. Why, why, why would I read something like that? All of you, you're, you're laughing, you get it, because it's just the way that they put the words together. The same thing happens in other languages. The way things are put together, the way things are said. Ladies, how many of you like chocolate? You know, in Spanish, the way you say it, you don't like chocolate, chocolate likes you. So it's not your fault. You're thinking, no, it's the White House. It's the White House. No, it's not. It's the House White, the House White, the House White. And the missionaries, wait a minute, I just, I don't think that way. I don't talk that way. And many become discouraged. If they're not discouraged on deputation, if they're not discouraged when they first get to the field, when they start, start learning the language and they encounter all these difficulties because all of these things are going on and people run up to them and say, And then when they make mistakes, it's so difficult. Now, my wife and I, were actually a, probably a, a mixed marriage. She is from Southern Illinois. I'm from Washington, D.C. And she talks funny. She says, yuns. Yuns. I say y'all now, but that's from Arkansas. Yuns? Hey, hey, be careful. You're going to tump it. Do what? <laughs> You're going to spill it, knock it over. You're, she's on the swing set and her sister says to be careful. You're going to tump it. <laughs> My sister, she lives in South Carolina. And, and she said, hey, could you mash that for me? Now, when I grew up, mash means something else. Boom! Okay. <laughs> So you go to a country, even in the country, in different areas, things mean, words are different. Went to Oklahoma, had culture shock when I went to Oklahoma, went to the store, bought different stuff, got up there, put the stuff up on the counter. She, she said, would you like a sack with that? I said, do what? I said, you can put it in a bag. And she looked at me like, we do not say sack. Okay, how, how about this one? Do you say soda? Do you say pop? Okay. Where I grew up, you know what we say? Coke. Coke. Hey, can you give me a Coke? Yeah, what kind do you want? Dr. Pepper. It, it, all of this translates for the missionary on the field because they have to learn all those different nuances and all of those things. And you know something else? The culture goes together with the language. I, I am personally, personally, this is my personal, I'm going to say preference, 
that where you are going to go as a missionary, that you learn the language there. And the reason why I say that is because the culture goes together. If I'm going to go to Colombia, and and I need to learn to speak Spanish as the Colombians do and learn the cultural things about that. Remember the Polak jokes? Okay, I'm not going to tell any tonight, all right? (laughs) But the Polak jokes, I mean, everybody knew. Well, in Colombia, they have a, a state that's called Pasto. And the the people that live in Pasto are called Pastusos, and they're very smart, but they use it in a different way. So if someone does something silly, they ah, Pastuso. (laughs) But see, you learn that because it's part of the culture. Let me give you an example with all of us. Okay, let's just say I don't have this problem anymore because I have the same barber that Brother Hernandez has. (laughs) If you come walking out of the house and your friends start laughing at you, they say, <laughs> here comes alfalfa. <laughs> you know what you're going to do? You're going to look down because you realize that your shoe's untied. Huh? No. <laughs> no. 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 Everybody, you're going you're to do what? Okay. You know, you know why you guys know that? You guys know that because when you were in third grade, when you were in third grade, your teacher came in. And she stood before you. She said, okay, class, class, listen up. I'm going to give you a life lesson here. If you ever walk out of the house and someone calls you alfalfa, that means you have hair sticking up. No. Do you know why you know that? Because it's part of your culture. So when you are a missionary and you're there on the field, you must immerse yourself in the culture and learn the culture to learn the language. And listen... When you, you must learn the language and you must learn it well. Why? Because God has called you to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. And it is more than just a basic vocabulary. And lots of times you'll make mistakes. Have you ever heard someone say, uh, oh, oh, come on now, you're pulling my leg. Uh-huh. You know what they say in Spanish? You're pulling my hair. <laughs> Ah, me estás, me, me estás tomando el pelo. Can you imagine that? When I say, you know what we say in America? You're pulling my leg. <laughs> it's part of the culture. And then the mistakes that you make. I, I, I'm going to, this is probably the worst mistake that I've ever made. In, southern, in Argentina, the, okay, in Mexico it's different. They call them globitos de agua, water balloons. In Argentina... It was, uh, they had a, a word that was bombucha, bombucha. How many ever seen the slings where the big old slingshots where somebody holds this end, holds the other, and you put the water balloon in there and you can shoot it a mile? Or, okay. Well, we had one of those, and we, we had an activity, youth activity, just about every Friday night. So they came over to our house, and we're sitting there, and they're like, Pastor, ¿qué vamos a hacer? Pastor, what are we going to do tonight? What, what are we going to do for the activity? And I said that vamos a tirar... Bombachas. Bombucha or bombacha? Bombucha is what I wanted to say. Bombacha is what I did say. Girls' underwear. They knew I was an American, you know, you make mistakes. But as soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, I quit. It's not worth it. 
No. No. It's, it's still worth it. It's still worth it. So there are the many, many differences and mistakes that you'll, you'll make. Uh, let me mention a couple of things. I know we've been here a, a long time already, but just daily life. Um, we had a tutor when we first started, and we had to learn Spanish and Spanish. When you don't know Spanish, that's hard. We're sitting there at our table, our, our professor, tutor, she comes over and she starts talking to us and she knew English. And we said, okay, wait a minute here. We brought you here because we want you to teach us to speak Spanish because we don't speak Spanish. And she answers us in Spanish. And she made it a point to get, or get her point across, I am going to teach you Spanish in Spanish. Amen. You want to talk about how many times you want to throw in the towel? You think, my mind doesn't think that way. Listen, there are many, many missionaries that become discouraged because they can't get the language. We need to be praying for them. Yes, amen. The, 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 the wives with the, the, their kids and, and all that goes on, just your, your, your life and the things that you're dealing with, learning the language is, is such an important thing. So, but learning the language and then just daily life, when you go to the doctor, you go to the dentist, uh, you go get a haircut. First time I went to get a, a haircut in Colombia, how do I tell them that I want a high and tight? How, how do I tell them I want it tapered up the sides and tapered up the back? Yes. And then when he pulls out that, the, what do you call the blade, that blade where you go like that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's he going to do with that? <laughs> Getting a haircut, some of the most simplest things that we take for granted. My, my wife got sick, and so we had to take, I, I'm, I'm being real personal and saying some things, and I understand the crowd that we're in, and I hope I'm not being offensive, it, it, but we had to take a urine sample to the Red Cross. So we have it, we, we're going to the Red Cross, and we're standing there, and we finally, so we get, it's our turn, and we stand up there, and we, we're, we talk, the lady says, okay, what kind of test do you want? Uh, so I looked at the missionary, he'd been there several years, and and he's like, uh, 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 you know, you know, uh, and she, what, what is it? And he's, um, is, este, no, usted sabe, este, el líquido del cuerpo. You, you, you know, uh, the, the, the body liquid. She says, she says, blood. He says, no. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's like, no, el otro, the other, the other. Sangre, blood, that's it, that's all there is. And he's finally, no, no. And he's thinking, it's okay, wait a minute. What is that word? It, maybe it sounds similar. So he's stay, saying the word in English and kind of putting a little Spanish twang to it. And, <laughs> and so finally when she said, ah, orina, see, sí, see, sí, that's it. <laughs> Everything, simple life becomes difficult. And with all the other challenges in life, now think about the strains that, that you have on your own marriage. And mention all, all the things that I just mentioned, being in a faraway country, that wondering if people back home even know you exist anymore. Amen. 
there's a lot of strain there. There's a lot of, of pressure on the missionary families. And what I'm trying to do tonight is just to tell you, hey, it, missions is more than an envelope. Missions is about people that are going to other places to reach people with the glorious gospel Amen. of Jesus Christ. Amen. May the Lord help us. Yes. A couple things and I'm going to finish. We got back to the States. We're so excited to be back. and Our kids, uh, one of our daughters went into the bathroom to use the bathroom. Next you know, she yells out from the bathroom, Hey! How do you flush the toilet? <laughs> you see, in Argentina, the, you didn't have the little flusher on your tank. The kids knew. They put the seat back down. They stood up on the seat. It's up on the wall. So they come back and they have no idea how to flush the toilet. Our daughter, she wanted a, a, a drink and said, the water fountain's right over there. So we pointed in the direction. She went over there and she stood in front of it. Until I walked over. Oh, here it is. You press the button. Oh. <laughs> hey, missionaries, they're not special people, but they are special people. And it is a blessing to get to know missionaries. It's a blessing to get to rub shoulders with missionaries. It's a blessing what you've done here these last few days, the questions that you've asked. You get to learn about them. They become part of your family. And you know when you're putting the money in there and the prayer letters written, uh, uh, is written to the church, sent to the church, whether it's in your prayer bulletin, if it's hung up on the wall, if it's left out there on the, at the, the greeting counter, wherever it is, when you read that, you're thinking, oh, you know what? I remember when they were back at our church. I remember their last letter. Lord, I'm so thankful that you answered this prayer request. Missionaries, don't let them be just another missionary on the wall. Don't let missions be just an envelope. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me tonight?